0: Hello and welcome to the NETFA podcast. This podcast contains important stories and conversations about female genital mutilation, circumcision or cutting. Some listeners may find this triggering. Support is available on the NETFA website.
1: Please go to netfa.com.au Hi everyone, welcome to Owning My Body podcast. My name is Lara Cruz. I'm a participant of NAFTA Leadership Program. NAFTA stands for National Education Toolkit for Female Genital Mutilation Cutting Awareness. I would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land where I'm recording today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I pay respect to their elders, past, present, and future. Today, in our podcast, we will talk about bodily autonomy, mental health, and female genital mutilation circumcision or cutting that is shortly known as FGMC. And our guest today is Vina Varziwal. Dr. Vina Varsival is a medical doctor who is into counseling because of her determination to try and empower her clients to lead a more productive and fulfilling life, to bring forth the message about health, entailing physical, mental, and social well-being. She has been a volunteer support group facilitator with Anxiety Recovery Center of Victoria for the last five years and with Shakti Migrant and Refugee Women Support Group, Melbourne Inc., for the last four years. It has given her an immense satisfaction to empower women facing domestic violence and help them rebuild their lives. And it has been a very challenging yet equally satisfying field for her. Also, uh, she holds workshops on various mental health topics such as depression, anxiety, stress, self-esteem, assertiveness, to name a few. She is an active member of Santa International Club, which is a global service organization of executives and professionals working together to empower women through service and advocacy. And she is currently writing a self-help book titled The Fifth Language. So let's give... Uh, a big grant of of course <laughs> to vina dr vina varsoval thank you lara for that introduction thank you vina for being here today today we will talk about bodily autonomy mental health and uh, FGMC. so my first question vina is what do you think is the importance of bodily autonomy and why it is important to practice bodily autonomy or bodily integrity i'll begin with like a
0: sort of question like what does it mean what does mm. bodily autonomy mean? That is the first mm. question because yeah. uh, it is often misunderstood and misinterpreted. Mm. So let's, I'll, I'll try to explain in two ways. Like one, let's mm-hmm. take the best case scenario. So it, bodily autonomy means my body is for me. It is mine. Mm. When I hear that or when I say that, it, 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 is, it relates to power. And uh, we know that with power comes responsibility. So which means that when it comes to responsibility, I will be cautious about what choices I make. Mm -hmm. Right. So automatically, I will be be making better choices. And when I say better choices, I mean healthier choices, not only physically, but healthier Mm -hmm. as in life choices. So which would lead to a life of dignity. Now, Mm -hmm. let's look at the worst case scenario. Here mm-hmm. we are looking at a girl who is who is being married at thirteen years of age, or we are looking at uh, a woman who has, you know, there's a law. Legally, she has to seek permission to use contraceptive, her husband's permission, or she has to uh, face marital rape mm-hmm. because there's no safety for her there, or she has to uh, suffer unplanned pregnancy. When I say suffer it's because maybe mentally she's not prepared maybe uh, physically she's not prepared maybe she's just had a baby maybe she mm-hmm. is not healthy enough so uh, this this would lead to physical problems as well as yes. mental problems yes and correct then uh, of course as you mentioned about female genital mutilation mm-hmm. that in That's itself mm-hmm. yes we can make out that that in itself uh, is something traumatic to undergo so so these these are this is the other side of what not having uh bodily autonomy can look like so mm-hmm. that person is in a toxic relationship so what does toxic mm-hmm. relationship lead to we know that very well it leads to mental suffering
1: thank you so much for uh vina for that uh, uh extensive uh, explanation of bodily autonomy and my next question is if there's someone or Uh, some people might uh, experience it how can we say no to our family members or elders if they want to do something in our body okay so
0: you know lara and you might agree with me that there's no easy or straightforward answer to that one right
1: yes correct
0: (laughs) no here is very uh, is difficult to say yes we Mm -hmm. have to acknowledge that because because that's the truth Mm -hmm. and um Here, in this case, saying no is a process. That's Mm -hmm. how I see it. Mm -hmm. And the people in question here, for whom you're asking, they need to become part of that process. When I say process, I mean that the social and gender norms are so deeply rooted that they will not change overnight. And we all are aware of that. Having said that, a lot has changed in the last few decades. We cannot say that it hasn't. It has. So the way I would put it is that we need to normalize. And normalization, normalizing would happen over a period of time. So to answer your question, I'm coming back to that. Uh, how to question, refuse, or argue about that would depend upon how this person, how they see themselves in the context, mm-hmm. in that family. Because it is, it is, it depends from person to person how they can talk in within the yes. family right so yes. uh, it it has to be their own sense of identity which will enable them to ask the right questions to challenge and
1: mm-hmm.
0: argue about it right? mm-hmm. so so they are they are, because they are in that situation they are the best judge to to make out what what can i ask and how can i ask it and why mm-hmm. do i want to ask it
1: Yes.
0: So, for example, let's look at um, uh, asking, the let's say, asking the family members, who are you afraid of if you don't do this to me? Why are you afraid? What will happen if you don't force me to do this? What about me, my thoughts, my feelings? Mm-hmm. Instead of being um, aggressive, these are the questions which they can uh, uh, put forth and Mm-mm. all i can say and hope is that when you put a put a thought a question in front of someone it can uh, stimulate a thought mm-hmm. and a thought is something really strong like we say that the uh, most powerful thing you can give somebody is a thought so what i mean is that once you put up that idea it can even stimulate um, and shift mindset Yes. and uh, because these these girls these these young people don't have the power to do it on their own they are not in a position to do it on their own uh, another thing which i mm-hmm. quickly bring to your notice is that grassroots organizations yes uh, they have a big role in this to bringing about that social change because that has to happen simultaneously
1: yes i think yeah uh, asking questions and have that understanding yeah and reflection what is what it is like to live up uh, to your family's ex- expectations to you and how does it conflict with your own values, identity or self sense of self. For example, um, um, we are here in Australia, but some people would say like, my mom is uh, raising me like we're in the Philippines that I should do this and I should be this, but uh, that's not my goal or my value or identity or yeah. So what it's like to, to to manage those expectations, family expectations.
0: Uh, even for this, uh, you know the even the expectations, the family expectations, mm-hmm. might mm-hmm. look differently for different people. Yep. So let's let's take an example. I guess that is one of the best ways to understand something. Mm-hmm. And uh, say I'm from India, so I'll give you an example from India. So what does uh, meeting or living up to family's expectations mean in India? It would look something like. Studying hard, considering your parents' career choice for you, uh, that is changing, but uh, over the last decades, um, yeah, that has been a norm. Getting married within a certain community, that is also living up to the family's expectations. So does it conflict with, of course, it's going to conflict with your values or your identity or your, like you have just mentioned about being in Australia and not identifying with that expectation. Mm. At the same time, feeling that warning, feeling that pressure to
1: do so. My next question to you, Veena, is what do you think would be the impact to one's mental health in doing those things that they don't want to do? And what do you think the impact of uh, FGMC in one's mental health? Because uh, there are people here in Australia who have undergone FGMC from their home countries.
0: We know that the impact on mental health can be huge, because you might feel that your power of body autonomy has been taken away forever. Uh, you might feel that you are not normal. You might feel anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, mood disorders, even somatization. You know where um, where. The symptoms due to psychological distress appear as yes. or present as physical symptoms. So, so obviously, when you're feeling all these things, it would impact your relationship. It would mm-hmm. impact your life in totality. Uh, you might feel that you're not good enough. Uh, you might start blaming yourself for not being good enough or not being normal. Or um, your partner might blame you. Or uh, you might feel that you are missing out on positive sexual experiences, you might feel mm. frustrated, might feel angry because of that. So apart from all the physical problems, there are so many psychological problems that one can have.
1: It's really there's really a huge impact uh, uh, on mental health uh, undergoing FGMC or female, female genital mutilation. What is your message, Vina, to to families? Uh, there are families struggling with their children's bodily autonomy. So, what will be your message or advice?
0: Okay, message to the families who are struggling with children's body autonomy. Uh, my message would be: help them build their identity, because identity is so very important. It informs your whole life. Whether you you Have a constructive life or you have a destructive, self destructive life. It depends on how you see yourself. Now, the question is how do we do that? So, here to answer in this context, it is by answering their questions honestly. See, they are young people who are growing up, who are learning, who are getting exposed to new things. They will have questions. Instead of Mm -hmm. suppressing the questions, answer them honestly, at least as honestly as possible. Throw in some compassion, throw in a lot of compassion. And Mm -hmm. it will be easier to answer their questions. Apart from that, seek answers to your own questions. Because I'm sure you would also have loads of questions. If, If you're parents who have the child's best interest at heart, and I'm sure you do. You do have the child's best interest at heart. But are you brave enough to carry that out? Try try and see that if you are not brave enough, at least enable them, enable your children to be brave enough to own their bodies, to own their lives in a good way. So like, you know, as we say, be, be the strength
1: and not their weakness. Thank you so much, Rina, for for your knowledge, for your wisdom, for sharing all this information. And I hope our listeners will learn something today for their families, for their children, and for all young people and uh, women listening. I hope uh, this is something that inspire or have you reflect on with regards to bodily autonomy, mental health and FGMC. Thank you so much and I would like to thank uh, NAFTA and Multicultural Center for Women's Health for this podcast
0: This podcast discussed important stories and conversations about female genital mutilation, circumcision or cutting Support is available on the NETFA website. Please go to netfa.com.au Thank you for listening